the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420, The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Good afternoon, everybody. You can actually see Grant here in Cleveland for the first time. Okay, let's let's start thinking positively. Celebrate endings, for they precede new beginnings. I can't remember who just said that. And then somebody asked me about the new year, and I said, cheers to a new year. We got another chance to get it right. <laughs> Don't live the same year 75 times and call it a life. Write it on your heart that every day is the best day in the year. And that's Ralph Waldo Emerson. So anyway, uh, you know, we always talk about this, but we, you know, we have lots of stuff you can send into. So if you go to WHK radio, uh, you know, and, and go to their webpage, go to local podcast down to smart investor show, Tim Hayes, <clears throat> it goes right to my webpage. And on my webpage, there's a lot of stuff you can get. Uh, I had a lot of people, uh, call in last week or actually send in last week and the only thing we do we don't bug you we don't we don't harass you nothing like that um we do set you up on a newsletter uh, which is good but anyway uh the dividend growth portfolio i think it's going to i mean there was like seven companies that raised their dividend friday seven companies i think dividend growth is going to be very important coming up here our prime income list Yields 4.4% and it's really highly stable companies. We haven't had too many changes on that list for a while. Uh, we have the business owner's guide to transition. What a great piece that is. If you're a small businessman, you're going to sell the company. We also can help you, by the way. We, we've got some pretty good prices for some people recently. The Savvy Credit, Credit Investors Handbook, something you need. Also, uh, Wealth and Women, or Women and Wealth, I'm sorry, a planning workbook, which is really good stuff. Uh, and we also have like our ADRs, our American Depository Receipts. These are foreign companies that list on our exchange, so you don't have to do all the tax stuff and all that. Uh, we have our top ideas, our, our all-cap list, which means we have large-cap, mid-cap, small-cap stocks in there. And then our top ideas list and our top small-cap list. So uh, some things to think about while you're uh, um, contemplating uh, our show today. <clears throat> so... <clears throat> You know, I was looking at things, and um, you know, Lori Calvina, uh, Calstavina is, I think, yeah, uh, she, she's our strategist. She comes up with some great points, and one of the things she does is she goes through all what all the hedge funds are buying, okay? And so, uh, this, this is kind of, you know, she she basically said this week, as long as the energy sector continues to outperform. By the way, we talked about that in December. Okay, so what we're doing, somebody, I had a gentleman named, by the name of Bruce call me this week and asked me what I do. And I said, well, I do a lot of things. I, I, I'm a professional warrior. I manage money for people. I also help plan for the retirement. I'm a, you know, I, I know how to get income out of the stock market and on the bond market. I'm going to talk about income quite a bit today. And, and then on top of that, uh, what I do is I anticipate things. I, I used to be a pretty good chess player. I anticipate what the market's going to do, all right? Uh, I've been saying for a month now that we'll probably have a corrective phase. We're starting it, all right? We started it the last week of January. I, I said it would come in full gale, uh, full regalia, probably about, you know, second to third week in, in February. It's happening. So um, it, it's a it's an encompass. I encompass all your financial needs, okay? We do wealth plans. We I just lent some guys some money. So, you know, we do a lot of it. So. Anyway, what Laurie is saying, as long as the energy sector continues to outperform, it's reasonable to assume that the the list for the ownership in the hedge funds, uh, that, that will be a source of leadership, okay? Hedge funds positioning in 
in energy uh, remained neutral as of the fourth quarter at the end, okay? So they're underweight. And what else stands to jump out on the large cap screen is that the rockets that were, uh, you know, she has a list of them on page uh, on one of the pages forward. The list of S&P 500 stocks that saw the biggest increases in hedge fund ownership in the fourth quarter in terms of funds, there was no big sector or industry theme that emerged from this list. That's kind of interesting. Uh, the presence of the airlines were near the top of the list, and that did catch our eye because last summer we talked about the epicenter stocks from our friend Tom Lee at, at, at uh, Fundstrap. You know, he, he, was, he hit the nail on the head. Uh, we, we get to listen to Tom quite regularly, so that's good. Um, he, he, we also highlighted some uh, uh, what we call uh, submarines that they think might emerge, too. So that, that's kind of interesting. Uh, what jumps out the most is the small cap screen. Uh, the most popular Russell 2000 stocks and hedge funds based on the dollar value owned remained heavily biased towards healthcare. Biotech in particular, which accounts for more than half of the names on the list, and the most 13 Gs and 13 Bs, which are new positions or 5% positions in companies. I thought that was kind of it. The other thing we noticed is that the hot dogs took a hit. All right. Uh, and, you know, there's a lot of technology stocks in the hot dogs, you know, what, what we call uh, time it, and that's tech, internet, media, and telecom. Remember, Two years ago, we sent a set, we told you to send away for this. He said it's probably the best, best ideas we had. Okay, there there were twenty names of our top stocks on those lists that were up over three hundred percent in those two years. Pretty good call there. Anyway, they still dominate the hot dog list. Uh, they they accounted for seventeen of the twenty names, but there have been some important developments underneath the service that you know we should be aware of, and I think. First, four stocks fell off the list in, in the fourth quarter. That was interesting. Uh, second, and perhaps more importantly, many of the legacy TMIT names that stayed on the list saw notable declines in the number of hedge funds that own the stock. I think that's very, very, very important. So, um, you know, just some things to think about, okay? So, look, uh, I get the big question here, and we've been talking about yields being way too low and staying away from bonds for a while. You know, when, when yields go up, bonds go down, and you know that's your principle, folks. Okay, but the, can the equities tolerate higher bond yields? And the spike in yields has sent a lot of shivers through the stock market recently, uh, which you know went to an all-time high. But valuations are stretched a bit in some areas, and so the rise in yields, uh, if contained, isn't necessarily bad news for stocks. Rather, it suggests that we have a rotation into the reflation-driven cyclical stocks. We've been talking about this for six months. This is part of the chess thing we talked about, okay? The global bond yields have been trending higher for some time, but the pace of their gains has accelerated. That's what the key is here. Uh, even the German Bund, I think, went you know, uh, went from a low of a negative 0.85 to a, leg, a negative 0.31 uh, yield. So Chairman Powell suggested in his recent testimony to Congress that inflation fears may be overdone. Now, listen. One of the things I'm going to talk about today is preferreds, okay? There's a lot of preferreds out there for those people out there that want income that are yielding 4%. And these, a lot of these are investment grades. Some are just below investment grade. And I've seen as high as 5.3%, just below investment grade. That's not bad, okay? Remember, you want to buy yield when it's up, Okay. People keep looking for the, the highest yield they can get. Well, you're never going to get the highest, but uh, I think you know sometimes you gotta you gotta pay attention when yields are up. Global yields have been trending higher also for for many months, and the pace of gains have been you know kicking into gear. So that's another thing you have to think about. So some things that uh, should be on your mind for those fixed income investors out there. I don't think CDs are going to make it for you because I've, I've been watching those. You know, like we, we have a huge CD desk, huge CD desk. Um, and we can't give you the extra stuff that they give you uh, to bring your money over. But we can get, we'll get a higher yield uh, over time. And I'll give you that. Now, the other thing, we had a virtual conference this last week 
about ESG, that's Environmental, Social, and Governance. And boy, they had some really good stuff. Uh, we picked a bunch of names, uh, had a lot of companies involved, and uh, I have day one and day two now available if you'd like it. Go to WHK1420 AM, local podcast down to Smart Investor Show, Tim Hayes. And uh, if you go to my webpage, and uh, especially if you go to Insights, by the way, some good golf tips there, and there's some stuff about the market, uh, Brexit, et cetera, et cetera. It, 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 email me, contact me, whatever, and we'll get the we'll get these out to you. There's some really good names here, high quality names here. So I'll leave it at that. Now, um, you know, I I, I think it, it's uh, th- there's been a tale of two styles going on here: growth versus value. Uh, growth stocks are on track to close out the single biggest year in terms of, of uh, outperforming value stocks. That, I'm, I'm sorry, last year, uh, ever. And I've had uh, numerous people <laughs> call me and say, uh, you know, is this over? You know, this move in value, is it over? Look, I, I think you got to you understand, you know, look, there's been a lot of thrills and chills with so-called meanie stocks like GameStop and AMC and that type of stuff. And and there's been a lot of euphoria over the special purpose acquisition companies, the SPACs, as they call them. I've noticed now that SPACs are going up and then they're going down. Believe me, I've been through two two uh, sets of these and they the SPACs got killed in the end. Uh, now, the companies eventually made it their way out, but it took a while. But look, there are no guarantees in the equity market uh, or investing in general, but stocks trading for inexpensive financial value metrics, i.e. value, uh, have generated the best returns over the long term. They have beat growth. You know, growth stocks have gone up for a long period of time. But if you if you know, the annualized total return on value stocks has been 13%. For growth stocks, has been 9.9. The standard deviation or the risk for value stocks has been 26. Growth has been 21.5. So it's higher in growth stocks. Small company stocks have shown 11.8%. And by the way, both growth, I mean, value and small cap have underperformed now for eight years. This is not going to turn right back on a dime and go back to growth, okay? Uh, now, I think there, there will be growth stocks that will be doing great, okay? But if they're trading at 200 or 300 times earnings, I don't think they're going anywhere for a while. I, I, I even think some of them are trading at 40. That traded at 10 and 12, 13 while they were going up are going to have some hard times. So, look, I, I think the probability of success for value stocks usually takes a little bit longer. But if you look at value stocks one month, they average about a 13% return. But 30 years, it's a 15% return, 15 and a half to be exact. Growth stocks in a one month period usually is 9.9, and over 30 years, it's 10.4. So, uh, there's a 5% difference between value and growth. Why do you think Warren Buffett's been in value stocks all the time? Why do you think Warren Buffett continues to buy his own stock all the time? Isn't that interesting? So look, there's a lot of stocks there out there, uh, you know, and I'm not recommending this one, but we saw that Viacom way down and realized that its value was much more than it was. We bought quite a bit of it. Didn't buy it for everybody, bought it for some people. Kohl's, we did the same thing. Um, we bought Bank America and you know a bunch of these names. They're up a lot. So I don't think you want to be chasing them. I think you want to use corrective phases to buy you know the names that you like. So, you know, and I have a I have a whole list of them. Uh, great ideas, you know, fantastic ideas. And uh, you know, I'll just say this. I think value is starting to overtake growth, and it's not going to be just for a day or two. It's not going to be just for a week or two. Okay, it's going to be. For a while, all right. So I'll just leave it at that. You know, um, somebody asked me uh, the other day, uh, and, and this was a great—I uh, thought was a great idea. Um, They—they don't—they have a lot of money, okay? Uh, these people, and they're very nice people. And I've sat down with them several times, and they—they uh, they finally are. Looks like they're going to open an account with me. And they asked, they said, look, we don't need our required minimum distribution. And I, we've got four nieces and nephews that, unfortunately, you know, my 
the guy's brother and sister have not done as well as he has. And I said, well, why don't you take care of the nieces and nephews with an insurance plan? So it's amazing what we can do with these wealth plans. And we've set this up and it's, it's, uh, it's really starting to look interesting. And it looks like the guy's going to be able to take care of his brothers and his, his brother and his sister's kids. Uh, now his, his wife was an only child, so she doesn't need to worry about, it. you know, once he passes, once they pass. Okay. So, uh, and he's doing it with his required minimum distribution, which he doesn't need, by the way, we've got a great, he's been doing dividend reinvestment. He's been listening to my show for 10 years. Uh, so he's been doing dividend reinvestment. He, he sent away from my dividend growth portfolio and he's been doing it. Uh, now he, he hasn't made the changes as well. The, some of the problems, like he still has GE and, you know, GE dropped their dividend completely. Uh, you know, a few other names that we, we got off the list. And, uh, so he's paid a little price for not keeping it up to date. But anyway, the, the point is, is that what we've done by using the wealth plan is say, hey, here's what we're trying to do, Tim. And we use the wealth plan with some of our experts in the back offices uh, in Minneapolis and uh, in Cleveland and said, hey, here's a really good idea. Here's how we're going to do it. And you know what? Nobody's getting taxed. Nobody's getting taxed, you know, and they're using the money that they're not using anyway. <laughs> By the way, his brother and sister get all the money from our, the beneficiaries for after, you know, the secondary beneficiaries. So everybody's taken care of. He's, he's very happy. So anyway, let's take a break. And I forgot, this is a live show. So if you have a question, 216-901-0945. That's 216-901-0945. Gets you directly into the studio. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. Okay, we're back. You know, in 2020, U.S. adults spent seven hours and 50 minutes per day consuming digital media. That's up 15% from uh, six and a half or six hours and 49 minutes in 2019, the biggest increase since 2012. Gee, I wonder why. (laughs) The average price of a 30 second commercial in last year's Super Bowl. Increased by 3% to $4.5 million. It's the second highest rate ever, by the way. Uh, it's the costliest advertising time on TV by, uh, so far, by the way. And the most expensive property in 2019 were the Academy Awards at $1.9 million and the AFC Championship game. From the thin ice shield covering most of the Arctic Ocean to the mile-thick mantle of, of polar ice sheets, ice losses have soared about 760 billion tons per year in the 1990s to more than 1. trillion tons per year in the 2020s, a new study shows. This is an increase of more than 60%, equating to six, uh, 28 million tons of melted ice in total. And it means that roughly 3% of all the extra energy tapped within the Earth's systems by climate change has gone towards turning ice into water. Interesting. Uh, so we'll, we'll go from there. Now, uh, look, a couple things. Uh, well, first of all, I was looking at the NASDAQ composite, and I would suggest, this is just Tim talking out loud now, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at charts. Uh, but, you know, look, what you're trying to do is identify trends, follow those trends, and anticipate when those trends may be exhausted. And if you look, to me, uh, the composite has broken the uptrend line that dates back to the bottom in March. I think it was March 23rd. I also have the relative strength selling off. So eh, that's usually not a good sign um, if you're involved in the NASDAQ composite type stocks. Okay. So I I think, you know, we're we're rotating a little bit towards the bearish side on that side. Um, Now, one of the time-tested theories out there uh, that I've seen in, in my life uh, has been the Dow theory. And, you know, the Dow theory says that if the Dow Jones Industrials hit a new high and the transports hit a new high and utilities hit a new high, we're all going higher. <laughs> all right. Uh, now, 
it's interesting. The Dow Jones Industrials are at the top of their trend line, you know, the top of the channel. Okay, so what we do, the way we form a channel is we take the series of higher lows. We draw a line, an upward sloping line on that. And then we have a series of higher highs and we draw a line there. So we're at the top end of the trend line. Now, what's interesting is the transports are closer to the bottom. Hmm. So aren't the utilities. So I guess the question is, why? And uh, I don't really have an answer for that yet, but uh, <laughs> if I, you know, I, I'll let you know. Uh, but one of the, the other thing I noticed is that uh, a lot of people are looking at ETFs the large cap ETFs and they're underperforming. And I said this last week, a lot of people were involved in the XLE. Uh, and I suggested that there was another ETF that's done much better than the XLE. Uh, and it was smaller cap inversion. So I think, you, you, you know, if you're going to do the ETF game, which people do it out there, I think it's easier to buy stocks because there are now more, as many ETFs as there are stocks, just so you know. But, uh, if you're going to do that, I think you're going to dig down farther now. Okay, so you know, make sure that you're you're looking at the small cap names too, because I think that may be a place to go. Um, look, I, some people asked me um, this week. I, I had a net. Uh, I I told her I wouldn't use her last name, so I won't. And Ed on the line the other day, <clears throat> very nice people. And he said, "When do you sell a stock?" Well, look, I. Uh, with the NASDAQ up as much as it is, I'm using the 50-day moving average. Uh, if it breaks there, I give it like a week to turn up. Uh, and if it breaks there and stochastic, the daily stochastic is completely oversold. The stochastic, by the way, is just an overbought, oversold scenario. Uh, I, I buy it back, okay? So, you know, what I saw was the, you know, with a couple names, some of the big, big names that were big winners uh, during the, you know, uh, the we'll call it the COVID crisis uh, have been their relative strengths turn negative. Their MACDs turn negative. Uh, so, you, you know, you got to be careful. I, I can't tell you those names, but uh, I would suggest that, you know, you uh, start to pay attention to that because not all your stocks are, are uh, continuing to go up. And I'm starting to see some, a lot of large tech, large cap tech uh, start, you know, like, uh, so a lot of names that were going up since uh, May, uh, they've broken their uptrend line. So, uh, you know, that's not usually healthy uh, or they're going sideways. So they're either you're looking at either a time correction or a price correction. It doesn't matter which one, but uh, these are some of the big winners. So some things to think about. Um, you know, I do have an announcement. Rob Schleimer became our technical uh, strategist uh, this last week. And, which was good because uh, Bob Dickey retired as of Friday. Uh, he's got, Bob was a phenomenal resource, uh, great guy. And I hope you had the opportunity to see him uh, when he came into Cleveland. He, I brought him here five times. And uh, uh, I think, you know, you got to remember that. So here's what we're seeing. Uh, our four-year cycle backdrop remains very bullish, remain patient through the first quarter. And the intermediate term momentum is stalling. Weekly indicators, you know, that type of thing. Uh, Continue to uh, turn negative, probably be a choppy market for some time. Uh, growth is stalling. Value uh, is picking up. Uh, high beta uptrend lines intact, you know, and high beta can be value because they have high betas because they're, they haven't done anything for a long time. Rates uh, probably will rise through 2021, I think. I, I don't, you know, I think there's a lot of uh, resistance that, uh, you know, 250 on the 10 year, but you could get up to 180 to 210. Uh, and the dollar seems to be consolidating. I, I think uh, the you got to watch the euro currencies uh, for right now. But, uh, you know, I, I was looking, uh, if you look, stocks continue to make new cycle highs compared to bonds. So bonds are getting hit. And so if you're in those mutual funds, uh, you're not going to like your new statements, I, I would suggest. Uh, but I did notice that the weekly uh, quadrant balance uh, indicator, or um, which Bob Schleimer uses quite a bit for the S&P 500, uh, did not go as as extremely overbought as I thought it was going to. So, you know, we'll see. But uh, had, had some interesting stuff going this week. Uh, now, the Russell, uh, the daily momentum peaked, and I think, you know, it'll pull back a little bit, but it 
its relative performance versus the S&P 500 still is in an uptrend. I think that's very, very positive. Uh, you know, so that's something small caps value. I think they go hand in hand. Um, also, I think, uh, you know, I, I was big on the emerging market, but if interest rates continue to go up, that's probably not great for the emerging markets. And Latin America has come to a stalling area. Okay. So some things, other things to think about. Uh, now, look, growth is still way above where, you know, uh, it's up. It's uptrend is way above where value is. And I think there'll be a mean reversion, uh, you know, back to where we're, you know, where normalcy is. <laughs> uh, and what we're seeing is on the daily charts, you know, whether it's large cap, small cap or mid cap, uh, we've been going sideways. Now, we, we haven't broken down. Growth is not broken down. So it's just, you know, what we're doing is it's kind of wishy-washy, if you will. You know, we're just going sideways. So, but you know, if you look at the, over the last 10 years, high beta has broken out against low volatility indexes. So that's a big positive, too. All right. Um, and, you know, we'll just c- continue to uh, to watch that. Now, a lot of people ask me about the dollar. And I, I talked to Bob Dickey before he left. And he thinks the dollar is going to rally a little bit. Uh, but he says, you know, uh, probably you know bounces, and he says I'm not sure that it, it's going to be a, a great bounce or not. It depends on interest rates. We still have the highest interest rates. The one thing I would I have seen is a couple charts on on a lot of the currency indexes, and if you look at the emerging markets currency index, they have like three tops, and uh, be interesting to see if they break through there because if they do, then the dollar will probably end up going lower. <laughs> um, and crude oil uh, has gone straight up since going to negative forty dollars. $42, I guess it was. And, uh, you know, we've upgraded our price target to around 61 which is a little bit above now. So there's a lot of resistance up here. So we'll find out what happens here. Uh, I've had a lot of people asking about gold, and, and gold actually had an undercut. It broke down uh, and then shot back up over it. So uh, it bounced at critical support is what I'm trying to tell you. And, uh, you know, I saw a lot of people, uh, different. I get a lot of different newsletters, which I read, and I do all the work myself. And usually when you have an undercut like there, uh, that, that can be scary. And it might be the first move in a move down, or it might be the bottom. So I, I don't know uh, of which I can say. Uh, I, I don't have any really great ideas as far as, uh, you know, which which direction to go right now. I would suggest that Remember, the four-year cycle is still intact, and that, that's a very positive thing. Uh, you know, usually, you know, we started the cycle, obviously, last March 23rd. So we have one year, then, we, you know, we bounce around a little bit for a while, then we have another move up. And it usually takes four years, then you have a corrective phase, and it goes on and on like that. Now, the last time around, we only had a three-and-a-half-year uh, move up, and then we had a, a serious corrective phase. Uh, and then and that stuff like that happens, but I think what we have to think about coming going forward is, uh, you know, what to do um, coming up here. And I, I think, you know, you, you want to do this barbell approach again, okay? Uh, and, and what's the barbell approach? Well, the barbell approach says, I want to have some technology stocks. I want to have some value stocks and some epicenter stocks. And, and my bar are my high-quality dividend stocks. Some, maybe some of my staples, some of my utilities looking. Utilities starting to turn a little bit. All right. Uh, there we go. Anyway, we're a live show. We're going to be we'll take a break, but the phone number here is 216 901 0945. 216 901 0945. Stay tuned. Okay, we're back. And you know what? I think we have Gary on the line. Gary, how are you? Yeah, hi. Um, Say, I was looking at the uh, P-E ratio of the S&P 500, and compared to historical norms, it seems to be way high, which suggests that the market in general is strongly overvalued. Uh, What are your thoughts on that? Well, I have two thoughts. Number one, 
compared to historical norms, Gary, interest rates are at the lowest they've ever been in the history of the United States of America or basically the history of modern finance, okay? So when interest rates are down, P-E ratio is going to be higher. That's point number one. Point number two is I've been saying on the show for about three or four months now, remember, value stocks, their P-E start out high, okay? That's when you want to buy value stocks because they don't have any earnings and they're turning. And then when their PEs go down low, that's when you should be worried. <laughs> Doesn't make sense, but that's the way it works. I, I've, I've done study on study on this. And, uh, and by the way, uh, Tom Lee over at Fundstrat had a whole thing on this uh, about a week ago. Okay. So I don't know what it is, but you know, when you have these companies, they're not making any money. Let's take the airlines, for example. Okay. They ain't making any money. Their P ratios are out of this world. All right. The rally. Mm-hmm. When they start to earn money, it's probably time to go. <laughs> All right. When their PE ratios drop from infinity down to 25 or something like that, it'll probably be time to go. So uh, mm-hmm. I hope that help, I hope that helped you. Okay. Yeah, I appreciate your perspective. Thanks. All right. Have a great day. Uh, once again, uh, 216-901-0945. If you have a question, 216-901-0945. And by the way, I, you know, one of the things we talked about this summer was the, the epicenter stocks, and they were airlines and cruise lines. Now, uh, Tom Lee uh, and also uh, Lori Calcivina both talked about Carnival Cruise Lines. It was 11 bucks, 26 bucks. They named a couple airlines, and I noticed three or four of the airlines broke triple tops just recently and are up uh, from that point. Uh, you know, they have doubled. They're up 150 to 160%. We also talked about, uh, we had a conversation. I can't remember who it was, but he said he had bought Macy's. I had bought Kohl's, uh, you know, uh, about retailers, consumer discretionary retailers, epicenter stocks, and then energy, you know? So if you've been in those, you've done quite well. Now, we talk about the bullish percent. The bullish percent is our main risk guide. Uh, and we have two situations, column of X's. You have the offensive team on the field. Remember, it takes a lot longer for accumulation to occur than for distribution, which is a column of O's. When you're in a column of O's, the risk is higher. It happens a lot faster. We have what uh, this was designed by some people who wanted to be bearish at the top and bullish at the bottom. So they have a chart that goes from zero to 100. When you get over 70, that's the that's the, hot, the THTH, too hot to handle, okay? And that's where we just were. We are now in a column of O's. In one week, we went from 76 down to 68. We were down uh, almost 8%. So uh, the, the over-the-counter index was down 13%. I suggest that was going to happen. And the world index was down 5%. That was the, the least, you know, that was only at 58, now 54. So... We're in a column of O's across the board. Risk is higher now. Okay? Let me say that again. Risk is higher now. So, look, you want to go through your portfolio. I've been doing this. I've been watching any of the stocks that broke its 50-day moving average. I am waiting to see how long it stays below there. And usually, by the way, it's just stochastic, which is the overbought, oversold indicator, is completely washed out. You'll get a bounce. The quality of that bounce is important. Let me say that again. The quality of that bounce is important. Okay. So uh, if you're in technology stocks and they bounce and they make a lower high, you should be gone. Okay. Simple as that. Now, I looked at dynamic level investing. I noticed that commodities have moved into third place and commodities actually overshot fixed income. Now, one of the things you've got to remember about commodities, if you're going to buy these things via ETF, is they're considered collectibles and they're taxed appropriately. They have a higher tax rate. Okay, so you got to remember that. So if you're in any of these, you know, and especially double gold, double, you know, whatever it is, these guys have their collectible tax rates. Okay, so, but I will say this the tally count for commodities is currently as high as it's been in nearly 10 years. Now that's important because commodities, went down 85% from the top to the bottom, from 2009 till here. I mean, I had some people give me a hard time about selling gold back in the spring of 2008. And I, I looked like a genius there for a while, okay? And I, brought, I came back in for at the right time. But 
we have a weaknesses in you know uh, fixed income, so you got to remember that. But energy has uh, moved into second place. Technology is now in third place, so it's consumer cyclical, i.e., retail for the most part. Energy, technology, basic materials, and then financials and and healthcare. Small cap small cap healthcare has moved up uh, and has the best new position or, or the best. Uh, I can't remember what the Dorsey Wright called it, but uh, it's called small cap growth and it's uh, and small cap blend have made the, the best advances uh, during the period of time. Now, if you look at most of the major markets, like the Dow is 10 weeks of negative momentum. Uh, a lot of the, uh, the, the small cap and mid cap are like three to five weeks. QQQs have been positive all this time and the XLGs and the, uh, um, the S&P 500. So the larger cap stocks are holding up. Like I told you, you know, what you see is the crumbling first of, of the stocks around them, and then they go. And usually, uh, remember, you, you're not going to go fight a war with just the kings and the knights, okay? You need the archers, you need the foot soldiers, you need the guys, you know, uh, backing up the knights. So uh, if that starts to, if they start to crumble, then the, the knights and the, and the kings will die. So the equal weight... Uh, which is, has been down uh, for 10 weeks, the RSP, that's the equal weight S&P 500, uh, it, it's kind of interesting because it broke to a new high and it's been negative, uh, negative momentum during that period of time. So uh, that's, that's something you don't see every day, but we'll, we'll, we'll see. But, uh, you know, if you look at the SPY versus the RSP, uh, you know, financials are the biggest difference. I think, uh, and energy are the biggest difference. So we'll see what, you know, what happens going forward. As far as uh, sectors are concerned, you know, we always talk about favored sectors. And, you know, what I thought was interesting here is, uh, you know, the, the, the number of sectors has, they all moved back. Okay, remember, we had everything to the right. And now we've, we've actually got some things below 50. So uh, remember, I'm just going to talk about favored sectors. That's where you want to place your money because sectors that are favored usually outperform ones that are not. Uh, that means the momentum's that direction. Savings and loans are at 94. I'd wait on those. Banks, textiles, and gaming are at 84. I'd wait on those. At, at 76 are transportation, steel, restaurants, leisure, oil, uh, force and paper products, building, uh, and chemicals. I'd wait on those. At 68 are Non-ferrous metals, machinery, oil services, business, and aerospace. At 64 is electrical products and finances, uh, financials. At 60, and this is where you're, you know, you can start to look at these, is gas utilities, housing, autos, and food. And at 54, semiconductors, retail, and health. Semiconductors got whacked and then turned around. And then uh, at 50, which is a good place to look, Wall Street, the Internet, drugs, and computers. And then two below, two at 44, are software and biotech. So that's kind of interesting. Those are the groups I'd probably be paying fairly close attention to. Um, you know, in Tim Hayes' eyes, that's, you know, uh, like you want to buy low and sell high, right? Okay. So uh, anyway, those are the areas I'd be looking. Uh, I've got all sorts of names, but I'm not going to give you those. That's for my clients. Um and then, you know, I was looking at, you know, what changes were really happened. I had a lot of changes to unfavored electric utilities, protection services. Now, electric utilities are right, you know, they're going to, they're bond surrogates, okay? So if bonds get beat up, they're going to get beat up. They are right at their uptrend line. So we'll see what happens. Uh, as far as going from favored to average was waste management and media. And uh, gaming went to most favored status. Uh, mostly that's the online gaming, by the way. And from very favored to just favored was went uh, biotech, software, Wall Street, and housing. Uh, so they're still favored, but you know you got to pay a little bit more attention to them now. Uh, I looked at the international space, and you know uh, it means you know the market volatility in the domestic uh, markets over the past few days. The 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 international space has remained relatively steady. Okay, uh, you know. Not only uh, I, you know, I was looking at dynamic asset invest, uh, level investing, and our friends from Dorsey Wright, who provide us with the uh, the bullish percent too, by the way, uh, great guys over there. Um, commodities have gone through nine straight buy signals. That's the first time that's happened in twenty 
20 years. Oh, well, 18, no, 14 years. I'm sorry, 14 years. So that's a, that's a big possibility. And, you know, one of the areas is oil. Um, you know, if, if you look at the countries that represent the oil thing, they, they, they've done fairly well. So, you know, if I was looking at international markets, the, the buys, I would say, would be Australia, Sweden, Netherlands, uh, Colombia, and Finland, uh, and Taiwan, and New Zealand, and South Korea, Denmark, Indonesia, and India. So, you know, I, I don't say I'd buy them, but that's, you know, if you want to. Uh, do your own homework, okay? The ten-year Treasury reached, you know, one one fifty this week, which is pretty high. So be careful there. Uh, it's been straight up, you know. Like I said, use use high yield to uh, to buy yield, okay? Anyway, a couple relative strength buy signals. Always watch this. Truist Financial, Caterpillar, TFC uh, Financial, Carpenter Technology, uh, Deluxe, EPR. Properties, Eagle um, Materials, Dine Equity and Discovery Communications, and Chromadex, and Cornerstone On Demand. Hey, we're going to take a break. We'll be right back with Insider Buy. Stay tuned. Okay, we're back. And, uh, you know, we we constantly talk about uh, insiders on the show. But before I do that, I just want to remember, if you would like, uh, you can get our top ideas, our all capitalization list, large cap, mid cap, and small cap, our ADR list, which is, uh, you know, our top international stocks. It's run by an Englishman who knows his stuff, by the way. Our dividend growth portfolio, our prime income list. And our small cap list, uh, small cap list hit the, knocked the cover off the ball the last couple of years. So maybe uh, whatever. And you can get that by going to WHK 1420 AM, the webpage, going over to local podcast down to Tim Hayes, Smart Investor Show. <clears throat> and when you go to my webpage, uh, Bob Dickey's last uh, technical update is there. Uh, he says goodbye. And also go to Insights. There's a lot of good stuff in that Insights. There's a lot about Brexit, the markets, the, the Fed, uh, you know, that type of thing uh, going on. Uh, but it also has, you know, you, you know, email me or, or contact me, and uh, we'll, we'll certainly get that stuff out to you. Also, for you ladies out there, Women and Wealth, a planning workbook, which is a great idea, and the Savvy Investors Credit Workbook. So we talk about insiders a lot, and there's been one guy who's been buying his stock for numerous years, and he, I think he's down on 90% of it. Uh, his name is Philip Frost, and uh, he's an MD, and he's chairman of Opco, which started out great. Uh, I bought it around three, and it went to, to 19, and then they bought Bioreference Labs, and they gapped down to 15, and I told everybody to listen to sell it. Um, but he bought another half a million uh, shares, which uh, brings his total number of shares to 191 million. That's about 30% of the company. Uh, and what's interesting this time is that he had his chief science officer. She bought 400,000 shares and three others buy 350,000 shares. So we'll see what happens. Now, another name, uh, now I bought this much lower. I paid like you know, 14, 15 bucks for it, but was Sonos. Which is Consumer Electric and uh, Michelangelo Volpe, who's a director, bought uh, about fifty-three thousand shares at a new high. At a new high, how about that, huh? Also, uh, BioCris, the Baker Brothers, increased their position to four point nine five percent. Baker Brothers is pretty smart money, I would suggest. And then uh, these these guys uh, have a, have a, a device in the medical area. They're from Israel, uh, so. It's called Modus GI, and they had eight insiders buy between thirty and a hundred thousand shares. Uh, they are, by the way, a um, uh, about a buck fifty somewhere around there. So um, Modus is another name for you. Uh, also, Berkshire Hathaway. I noticed that uh, Berkshire Hathaway has been buying their own stock. They've bought five and a half percent of their own stock. And I think I mentioned last week that Carl Icahn uh, had bought some Bausch and Loam. He's now up his his uh, buy. From 7.8% to almost 8%. And then Evercore Financial. Um, now, these guys are pretty, pretty smart guys. Uh, Ed Hyman, 
And Roger Allman, uh, Ed Hyman bought 16,000 shares. It's $100 stock. Uh, and Marty Scholar bought 36,000. And Roger Allman bought 31.95 thousand uh, shares. That's shares. That's a lot of money. <laughs> uh, good RX. I noticed uh, it's a new issue. Uh, there was five 13Gs filed this week, and, including Tiger Management, which is pretty smart money. Uh, also, Interstellar, uh, which is a company that has a, a drug for uh, schizophrenia, and they've got a version of it that's for bipolar. And believe me, bipolar coming by people, bipolar people are coming out of the woodworks these days. Uh, they do have a date with uh, the FDA uh, to see if they get the bipolar approval. They had the, chair, the CEO buy 120,000 shares, and then uh, four other people, chief medical officer, chief commercial officer, the, the CFO, and general counsel all buy about 40,000 shares, which is quite a bit. Also, Randy, er, uh, I'm sorry, Ernie Rady, <laughs> who's chairman and CEO of uh, American Asset Trust, uh, bought another you know, in two different purchases, he bought about $3.3 million worth. Remember, he was buying it at a much lower level. Also, Bob Scully uh, bought uh, a bunch of Zotus, which uh, he bought $1.2 million after it got creamed. It was $170 stock, went all the way to 155 That's interesting. And uh, Henry Fernandez, and this is the name I tried to find some information about, I could not, uh, bought Royalty Pharma. He bought about $1.2 million. And then Brian Choi, bought Avis Group at a new high, about a million dollars worth. And then uh, the CEO of in, Inter, uh, Insight, I'm sorry, a stock that was $101 is now 70 uh, You know, you like when they start step in. He bought a million dollars worth. Uh, also, uh, Long Veron, which is a biotech stock, that Don Sofer bought a million dollars worth. Now, a couple other things we noticed is uh, – uh, John Ricolta, who's uh, a director at uh, Aid, uh, Agree Realty, uh, bought two two chunks at six hundred thousand, six thirty somewhere around there, uh, which I thought was kind of interesting because he bought uh, he had bought ah about four months ago. Also, John Thornton bought one hundred thousand shares of Ford or one hundred thousand dollars worth of Ford, which we hadn't seen. And uh, Michelle Cumbier bought uh, some Abbott at a new high. All right. So uh, we also had New Skin, which got killed. Uh, we had two, uh, Dan Campbell, who's a director. He bought uh, half a million dollars worth. And we had uh, Paul Varga at Macy's by uh, about a half a million dollars worth. So we're starting to see some people uh, with these stocks getting beat up, starting to buy them. And, uh, you know, that's a good, good sign. Also, you know, we mentioned that uh, Warren Buffett bought a bunch of Chevron last week. And uh, I noticed that one of the directors, Marilyn Houston, but of uh, $300,000 worth. Uh, so we had quite a few insider buys this week. I find it interesting because what they're, it seems like every uh, time there's a sell-off, the insider buys come, but they always stop like three weeks before the sell-off. So they're a very good way of uh, watching, you know, hey, should I go or should I stay? Uh, and then final, Q- uh, Qdell Corporation, which is, uh, you know, uh, they do a lot of diagnostic work. Uh, was a $260 stock, now 160 We had one of their their president and CEO step up and buy uh, 5,000, 6,000 shares. So it's pretty close to a million bucks. Um, you know, it's it, when you start to uh, be part of a company and you've been, you know, some of these people for a long time. And one of my favorite guys was Bob Dickey. Bob retired this Friday. But, so this will be the last week we talk about some of this stuff. And, uh, Look, uh, uh, he was a great guy. He was a very, um, you know, down-to-earth guy, and, and he, he spoke to people in a down-to-earth way, and uh, we're going to miss him. So, uh, Bob, <laughs> he, 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 uh, he's going to go fishing, I think. And uh, he also, he was very much into architecture, so uh, he was a very good artist, that type of thing. But he mentioned a couple things. You know, uh, he was looking at the 10-year yield, and uh he drew some lines, and I thought they were kind of interesting. So we're at, we're at some much longer-term resistance right now. Uh, and then we have some big resistance at about 255 uh, on the yield. So that would be going back all the way to 2000. All right? So uh, right now we're at some resistance. You know, 155 is some big-time resistance. So if we break through there, we still got another percentage point. 
So, like I said, I think what you want to do in these situations is make sure that, um, you know, you want to, you you don't want to panic. What you want to do is, remember, we're trying to do barbell approach. If you're you're buying fixed income right now, you want to be, do a barbell approach, okay? So this might be a good buy point, okay, somewhere around here. I don't, you know, I may not get the exact high in yields. Uh, It's rare that (laughs) you ever do. but the other thing a lot of people have asked me about is, Tim, what about these large cap technology stocks? And, and, you know, one of the things that I've been seeing is, you know, they've pulled back, okay? Uh, they haven't broken down yet. Um, I mean, you got another 1,000 points before they break down. So, I, I, you know, could it happen? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I, I'm not that good. Nobody is. But uh, I just think, you know, you're looking at technology stocks, need a breather. Uh, that's all everybody, people ever talk about. But I'm telling you, the digital transformation of the economy is still there. But the regular economy has to catch up a little bit, okay? You know, we're still going to take cruises if, this, if we get everybody vaccinated and uh, we get rid of this thing. We're still going to use the airlines. Uh, we're going to go back to doing business, uh, maybe not the way we used to 100%, but it's still going to be there. So it's good that these other stocks catch up, Okay doesn't mean that the technology stocks are going away any sense of the imagination. I also, uh, you know, what Lori said about, uh, Lori Calvacina, our head strategist said, uh, you know, the biggest move by hedge funds in the small cap area was in healthcare. And a lot of it was biotech. I mean, the number of companies where 13Gs and 13Ds were filed by hedge funds was unbelievable, uh, unbelievable. But look, I just want you all to remember, the long-term trend of the market has been higher over the past 95 years. We alternate in these 16 to 18-year bullish bearish periods along the way. Usually what happens is uh, the market gets carried away and we use too much uh, 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 leverage, okay? And, you know, uh, but we're not there yet. We probably have another... Uh, eight, nine years of the, of the, the uh, what we call a structural bull market. But just remember, you don't want to get crazy either, okay? Be smart. In the meantime, go to WHK1420 AM if you'd like any of the stuff we talked about, the dividend growth portfolio, the prime income list, our top ideas, our multi-cap index, large cap, mid-cap, small cap, our small cap ideas. Um, you know, any of those ideas, uh, let us know. Also, the Women and Wealth, the planning workbook, our Savvy Investors Credit Workbook. And for you businessmen, if you're going to sell it, we'll give you a guide to transition. In the meantime, have a great weekend. I actually see the sun out. What a novel concept. Uh, this is the Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes. Remember, buy low, sell high. Thanks for listening to the Smart Investor Hour. To reach Tim during the week, call him toll free, 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Or visit his website, rbcwmfa.com slash Tim Hayes. That's all one word in the address bar, rbcwfma.com slash Tim Hayes. Please join us again next Saturday for the Smart Investor Hour to hear more smart investing from Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management.